0: A listeners, thanks again for joining us. Day 2, modern day marine, like we talked about yesterday, we're the always-new amazing people that I haven't got
1: Today, right now, is no exception. I'm here with Lieutenant Colonel Mark Brown. Dude, Mark, thanks for coming, man. This is so great. it's great, man. I haven't seen you in a while. and yeah. occasionally, you know, when we parted ways last time we worked at CD&I, um, you know, you went your way. You went overseas with the family and got to explore some really cool yeah. stuff there. You added to your family. So congratulations <laughs> sure again. Thank that was you. great. Thank you. Um, And then I ended up retiring and uh, moving across the United States out to the West Coast. Yeah. And we sure touched did. base like once or twice. Yeah, I
0: think you called me out of the blue. Uh, it was about two years ago Two years ago, least. I think when yeah. I first got this you, job. Yeah, yeah, you
1: had first got this. You were talking about doing this. And, of course, I was looking for some inside scoop on something, and you were able to – help me out in some shape or form. Yeah, so, yeah. As, yeah, as
0: much as I'm c- uh, capable of doing. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we're all so connected nowadays, yeah, right? right? right. <laughs> well, also here with William. Hey, what's going on? Man? Howdy. So, yeah, for for me, you know, who, who did not serve with y'all previously, do you mind giving our audience, you know, some background information, like you know, who you are, uh, why you're here, and how you ended up yeah, to be uh, on our show today? Yeah, we would have, have been rambling. Off. Thanks, William. <laughs> so,
1: uh, like Vic said, you know, I'm a retired lieutenant colonel. There's you know, I wouldn't call us a dime a dozen in this area. There's probably a dime. No Wait, you're
0: an LAR officer. That's not <laughs> a dime a dozen, right? <laughs>
1: so I spent, uh, according to the orders that I got when I left, uh, 31 years, nine months, and 20 days in the Marine Corps. Uh, who's counting, right? I did enlisted <laughs> side for the first 10 years on, uh, with the reserves and, and some active duty, and then uh, became an officer. And uh, my first became an uh, infantry officer. And then my first duty station was at 1st uh, Light Armored Reconnaissance Battalion, which was in uh, Camp Pendleton, California. Um, and, and that kind of was the, you're theme. a, you're a Gulf War vet. I was, yeah. I was, I went to, I was in the Gulf War as a corporal. Yeah. So man. that was, um, that was interesting times. And, um, yeah. Yeah. man, Talk yeah, about been there, done that guy. Uh, no, it was just, um, we didn't have the reach back capability back then. Like we do now. I mean, I, I still wrote letters then and we still, you know, letters yeah, that's was the right, thing. Mail we, call, right? Yeah. Mail call. Um, you know, we had to, uh, Staying in line. Heck, a, a phone call was like eighty-six bucks for like three minutes or something. It's crazy, and it was really nuts. <laughs> and then now, you know, a guy just <laughs> the guy or gal just whipped out their cell phone yeah. and yeah. gets a quick, or they call a call on the phone quick over Twitter the computer, you know, yeah, yeah, so yeah. or whatever. Fifteen thousand apps are out there. So yeah, so I did that. Um, but then when I went to First Lar, that kind of started me down a path that I ended up staying in, um, which is funny because. You know, people talk about being mechanically inclined. I'm declined, man. I mean, <laughs> I mean I'm mean, i the furthest you could think of from being someone that knows anything about mechanical stuff. And I will get to where I work. About say, now, but about to say, an interesting path Yeah. Them. Yeah. I'm really grateful that they let me play with them. But anyway, so I did first LAR, learned a lot about the, uh, the vehicles themselves. Um, I was actually on deployment on uh, 9-11. We were getting ready to land on 9-12. Oh, so boy. we were 50 miles off the beach uh, of what's called Red Beach, where we yeah. would take the LCACs with the LEVs and land. And I had, uh, at that time, I had Pete Pace's son.
0: Oh, no way. Oh, uh,
1: what a story, man. I'll tell that real quick, too, if you don't mind. Yeah, please. Pete it. Pace's son and a few others. And normally we were all company XOs or battery EXOs because we had uh, uh, artillery battalion on there as well. I mean, a company, battery. Um, anyway, so we were all laying in the rack. It was around 530 ish whenever don't remember the exact time but around 5 30 yeah and the captain of the ship came over the one mc and said hey a plane had just crashed into one of the towers mm-hmm. normally we'd be up being xos running around but because most of us were getting off the ship uh the next day kind of everything was done so we got to sleep in that yeah, day yeah, at least yeah. six you know so um i remember one M- captain came over the ship one mc plane had crashed into one of the towers we thought it was a cessna or some small that's plant. what i thought the same we day. all did yeah. right we didn't think anything yeah. of it well pete Pete was in the top bunk across from me, and he jumps out of the bunk, and he starts getting on this computer. And don't tell the Navy this, but we ran the wires through, so we'd have a computer <laughs> in there instead of in, in our stateroom instead right, of right. in just our offices. So Pete's getting on the computer trying to figure out, and we're like, Pete, what's going on? he's like, oh, my fiancé. He ended up marrying this gal. <clears throat> my fiancé works in one of the towers. Oh, no. So okay. he's stressing out. No yeah, he's really stressing out. Uh, fortunately, we found out later on that uh, she was down getting, I think, I'm I remember right, getting a cup of coffee, and so she was able to get out no problem. So, he's stressing out about that. We're just thinking it's again a small plane, so we're all just like groan and go back. You know, like like okay, we're gonna I'm gonna lay in bed here, even though I'm awake until I have yeah, to get out. right, up. right. Well, then comes over again, another plane hit. What 20 minutes later or whatever. So at that point we're like something's going on, yeah. and we got tigers on board. So a lot of our guys had already because we'd stopped in Hawaii, we were coming back, so. We, We'd stopped, and the Tigers were uh, civilians, family family and friends. I had my best friend from college, actually, was in uh, one of the staterooms with one of the uh, platoon commanders from my company that flown back early. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, so he's in there. He kept a journal, too. It was really cool through his eyes on what he saw. Like, oh, today we had ice cream. It was fantastic. Then we got to go out and and watch him shoot guns and bullets off of the ship. And I'm like, man, that's not what we got to do all six months, you know. (laughs) But anyway, it was in his eyes. I was like, I don't know why you thought this was tough, you know. Uh, Of course, the air conditioning worked as well, too, and all that. Everything everything went perfect. Anyway, so we got all these guys on board. This is going down. And then, of course, computers weren't as prevalent then, so we all shared them. And so they shut everything down except for the Commodore who was on board uh, because I was on the big deck, the uh, captain of the ship, and the mute commander. There was like three people that had access to what was really going on, Mm -hmm. and we didn't know. Turns out, to stress Pete out even further, his dad – was then I believe it was Southcom at the time. Yeah, a three star. Was he yeah, he was yeah, a three, three star, star at the yeah. time. He was supposed to give a brief at the Pentagon, and he, it was in the same area where the jet hit. Oh, but good he. But Lord. it was canceled. So Pete was like, I won't say he was a ball of mess. You couldn't really tell, but he was stressing out. You um, know, I can imagine. especially once we yeah. heard all this later yeah. on that was going through his mind so all this happened and we didn't know we had to go down we thought you know we're going to drop off everybody we're going to war and all that and then you know the rest of the story sure you know it wasn't until two years later that we didn't you know actually yeah well because the mute that was about go. to go
0: out they, i mean did they, they basically hot rack your ship
1: they no the mute oh. we actually passed them in in uh oh because it were, was delta company yeah. for delta first okay. lar that yeah. was my we were Alpha Company. They yeah. passed in Hawaii.
0: Brian Strack. Remember Brian Strack? Yeah. He was the AV platoon commander yes, that yeah. went So out. those yeah.
1: guys, they, they went ahead and went on and uh, did their thing. You know, they did the movement with uh, then Then I think it was Colonel Mattis. I don't think it was General Mattis. I think you might be right. And yeah. I think they did the whole 400-mile march yep. all the way mm-hmm. in and all that. I, I, I don't know the full story, of course, because we're trying to figure out. My buddy, just but this to finish up. But this is man. We don't have Scuttlebutt. Yeah, to go just, yeah. To finish up, <laughs> just to finish up that story so we can move yeah, on yeah. it was a while ago. My buddy, that my best friend, I said, his wife was eight months pregnant. So here we are landing the next day, September 12th. The base is on whatever they were locked. I don't think yeah. we were at D yet, but I think we were at C Pretty at close. To we because were Because I was enough. in the 21 area when that yeah. happened. You
0: know how the – five goes right past oh, the barrel. Oh, man, they locked everything Dude, down. Dude, it was gnarly. Like, we went to the armory. Yep. And our me. guys
1: came off ship. Instead of going down to San Diego like the rest of the the BLT did and everyone else, our Tigers came off ship with us later on that day on LCUs. Mm-hmm. Well, normally they just get off, and then they get on a bus and drive right sure. to the bay. No, they were searched and every yeah. You know, we had no idea. Nobody, Nobody knew what was knew. going yeah, on. Yeah, everybody was thinking that the— um, yeah.
0: San Onofre was yeah, but I don't. Man. I think I had a
1: flip phone, cell phone then too, That's so we didn't right. have like the smartphones to look stuff text. up. Yeah. So we were, so we had he and I, name's Joe. Joe and I had to plan how we were going to get him from Camp Pendleton, California, with this going on, because I'm like, Joe, I'll help you out, man, but we're going to war. We're going to go get some. You got to go figure it out, right? Which never happened, but or didn't happen at that time. But you got to figure out how to get all the way to Orlando, Florida, where his wife with, was eight months pregnant Pregnant. with their second child you know um fortunately he got there things loosened up he was able to fly a couple days later and everything worked out but yeah so that was kind of that was my first or end of ending of my first portion as an officer in lar yeah so and um, I mean, what you graduated? So cool. TBS in, what, 98? I graduated TBS in '98, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I reported a first LAR in January of '99. Yeah. And so. um, what a wonderful time! I could throw out all kinds of names: Jeff Powers, Pat Malay. Those guys were all there. Um, <laughs> yeah. People that are still around here. Yeah, Millay I mean, was my task force commander. Oh yeah, you like, know I ran yeah, into, Millay, uh, yeah. in, into Colonel Malay later on, and what a great guy. Yeah. So, anyway, um, so I did that, and then. We didn't go to work quick enough for me to be able to, to stay with the battalion. Uh, I was fortunate. They actually frocked me to captain because I was technically, even though I was the first lieutenant at the time, I was technically this, the leader of the senior company in the battalion because we'd already deployed. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, even though I was junior to all the company commanders, we were the senior company. You know, I'm using air quotes here. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> um, so I was frocked, and I stayed there for a while, but then, uh, you know, we, we built up. Uh, Duffy White was my battalion commander at that time, and then ended up going to the School of Infantry and being the uh, officer in charge of the LAV crewman course, mm-hmm. where the O313s learn how to do that stuff. Um, I served for, with General Love, who I don't yeah. know if you're familiar with I General know, Love. Yeah. You know, He was <laughs> Lieutenant Colonel Love then. Great guy. Um, worked for him. Bob Rice was my uh, company commander. Uh, He's Colonel Rice now, Um, served with Bob too, he was in 1st LAR, I still owe him for, um, somehow his company borrowed some of my tires before they deployed, (laughs) but uh, anyway, so uh, uh, so I was at the schoolhouse for a couple years, and then I went to EWS, and then I was fortunate enough to stay in LAR, and I went back to 3rd LAR, and very rare, but I was able to be a company commander for three years, a little over. So I was with George Schreffler, who I was talking to yeah? before we came okay, up here. okay, that's who that was? Okay. Uh, actually, no, that was, that was later on at uh-huh. first. I was with uh, Jim Parrington. Okay. So served with Jim Parrington and a bunch of other guys there. Um, Matt Jones, who you may have had on here before, Great American. Um, that's a story in itself. I'll just leave those alone. He probably saved my career. Uh, if you're listening out there, brand-new company commanders, lieutenants, do not shoot live ordnance on non-live fire <laughs> ranges. Um <laughs> If you go upon. over a certain dollar amount, you may get in trouble. Uh, <laughs> fortunately, mine somehow didn't buy about a penny. So um, I won't say thank you, Matt Jones, but thank you, sir. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he had a hand in it. Anyway, so uh, did some did some cool stuff there. I deployed on UDP. Everybody else was going to Iraq, so I went to UDP with the company. The coolest thing was my first sergeant that I ended up with, we served together for three years. We'd been He had been my... Staff NCOIC at the at the crewman course before he moved up to the leaders course for the officers and staff NCOs to their training up at LAR, and um, I asked him to come work for me again because he was a gunny at the time and he had been uh, given uh, he'd been he been selected for first sergeant and my first sergeant that I had wasn't working out as well for us and he wanted to go to yeah. to, to Iraq so worked out that I brought him on as a company gunny within two months. Sent my other first sergeant back so he could go do his thing. And Chip Johnson, who went on to do great things, uh, was my first sergeant for three years. You want to talk about being blessed. Yeah. You know? I don't know what I did right, but somehow I had probably four to six of my prior instructors at the schoolhouse became my platoon sergeants no way. At, in my company. I had a fantastic group of lieutenants that are just absolutely amazing. Ryan Ashley, Matt Peterson, uh, Kevin McGilvery, uh, Andrew Beto. I mean, there's just uh, Austin Murnane. These guys were just – had a bunch of academy grads, and, you know, they were fantastically smart guys. Pushed my envelope, but allowed me to do great things. And then they had the staff NCOs we had trusted me that I would take care of them and in turn demanded and received the trust that I gave them so that they could make us great. Yeah, and we, yeah. we, we I'd have to say I probably the best company I've ever served with, even though it was a great one I served with with uh, when I was at first LR as a lieutenant, but and it was all because of them. They yeah. they were the ones, you yeah. know, I got the credit for it of course, but they were just fantastic. And even to this day, people are amazed at how close we are because we still talk. We still talk. And it's not like because I was their company commander, it's because mutual respect mutual love and that was the, that, that's the thing that i always tell people like what'd you learn in the marine corps I'm like you're going to think because i spent 30 plus years in the infantry that it was like oh it was getting to shoot people or whatever blow stuff up it wasn't it was learning the true meaning of love and in a way that is not applied to to your significant other or to your child or anything it is it is to a fellow person who has shared discomfort shared fear shared excitement and all that that you just can't you can't make up right. and you can't create that environment. Right. It's creative for you and to share that. And then to be able to care about them, no matter whether their breath stinks or feet stinks. <laughs> yeah, they like gonna do rap that. music and yeah. you like country music it, or where they were from. It doesn't matter what yeah. they look like, how they talk. It's just, man, you love the dude or the gal because of that. Sure. And it's just something that we've, we, you and I have experienced that it's just hard to explain. And, well, you probably have shared in some of your relationships that you just aren't, aren't aware of it at that kind of manner. But I've kept that, so I've been lucky, and that has enabled me to continue to be, I guess, fairly successful in my career. But definitely to do what I'm doing now. So I left. So I, again, go back to what I did. So I left. Um. I, I after after we went UDP and went to Okinawa and then went to Korea and stuff. We came back. Then I went to Iraq. Um, we put. Uh, I remember adding up because you know you're always looking for fit rep bullets. Yeah, yeah, and right. And always looking for awards comments. My uh, battalion, or my, uh, company maintenance chief, um, Staff Sergeant Daring, who's now Master Guns Daring, he had calculated that we kept a 93% rating, readiness rating, which is unheard of, but of course, when you're living in them all the time. Yeah, yeah. All due to him, readiness rating. And we did collectively with less than 25 vehicles, probably more like 15, 17, 18 vehicles, we did over collectively 147,000 miles of traveling. Jeez. That's like six times around the earth or something. What, what
0: year was this?
1: This is, we were deployed from, let me make sure I get this right, 2007 to 2008. We got over okay, there if so I remember Okay, so you guys right.
0: were out. Were you, uh, you guys, were, you started up in we uh, Kyme. Ru- were you up in Kime and No,
1: Rupa? I always get it mixed up. Rawa and Rupa. Okay, okay. Where was, where was Rupa Yeah, uh, different Ru- different LAR. Com-
0: there was an LAR company that had, was up um or maybe it was just a platoon anyways. Where, why it could was have that? been
1: a company. but So my battalion yeah. was up They did this north.
0: huge um, sort of got yeah. all, all vehicles That was our battalion. Went down. So our
1: battalion did. We moved from Basic whatever was up north. to like Al-Assad. Just yeah. That we did that. In. Okay. But we were moving from, I believe it was Rupa to Rawa. I, can't, oh, okay. I always mix up yeah, which yeah. one. But we moved all the way down through. And that's when we, we got a couple of firefights. My company was given the true LAR mission. The other companies. like attached to different villages and work through the you know the coin operations and stuff that we did we were told to go out and disrupt you know the the trident and so we disrupted for seven months that's all we did um many times we would get refueled with uh honey bun muffins and those (laughs) or honey buns and those muffins and an rgr a 53 would land with bladders and we would refuel our company and we would keep going and um just be out there the whole time so it was very very cool. We we operated like the Bedouins and stuff, but that's probably why we got so tight too, because yeah, of that.
0: Same thing. Like they basically it was it was Malay, it was uh, Malay was there. Okay, yeah. So I think when so we, were we in got the in a firefight,
1: yeah. Malay, the last firefight. RCT five that roped up uh, Stacey Clarity at R C T. Yeah, so I worked okay. initially for Stacey Clarity when yeah. he was R C T two. A couple months later he ripped out you know, he rotated out yeah. and Pat came in and took over. So I
0: was up on the far into that wadi just south of uh, the Euphrates south of like hawkland Wadi Huran. Yeah.
1: I was just at the yeah. end of that
0: as it went shot into basically Mosul. Yep. And they said the same thing like we basically want you to be like the insurgents and just harass that's everything that comes basically disrupt here. anything that's yeah. coming through just because get be a, a huge lot of pain harass like you had dude insurgents coming in. Yeah, it was really <laughs> really interesting.
1: So that's what we did. We got in, it, things were not as hot and heavy as they were for the Marines before him. Right. It was pretty quiet. So we, um, then, so the two firefights that we got into, uh, that one, they were out in the middle of nowhere. Um, and, and so everybody was eager to help. So the first one, we unfortunately, we lost a Marine. Um, a bad guy got a lucky shot and it went between his vest. And, I mean, it was one in a million type thing. So really unfortunate for that. Um, and then exactly that was on, that was March 21st. Um, and then exactly a month later on April 21st, we got another firefight down south and um that one there was pretty surreal we chased these guys for over 23 hours um, but because they didn't do anything hostile uh we couldn't engage them right uh the cobra guys that were supporting us they were bouncing literally bouncing flares off the uh, hood of the truck of the guys that were all in it they had, they had been doing a uh, murder intimidation they were beheading people and killing them was that the
0: uh algerian guys was those the algerian i think guys? so like, had, the, had the belts, had the suicide belts. Yeah, yeah. We, had,
1: we had a couple of those. They were hopped up on drugs. There was all yeah. kinds of stuff. So we chased him for 23 hours, over 270 kilometers. Because we had been operating for three months prior to that, down in that area, down by um, uh, R-R-P-O-E-R-R and Mediasis, or Mediasis, depending how you pronounce it. Yeah. It was pretty further south. We were supporting the Hodge. You know when they did okay, the pilgrimage yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. through down to Saudi Arabia, yeah, yeah. we had gone down there to as part of a task force to help out. So we had, in our brains, we had mapped all this out. We were operating on. It's funny we got all these blue force trackers, this JBCP stuff. We were using Rand McNally travel maps, <laughs> east and west. <laughs> I'll never forget it. So we had east and the west, and we'd put them together. We would driving along, and there would be uh, all of a sudden you'd hear on the radio, stop, 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 and we would come across these holes in the ground that weren't on the map, of course. They were easily 80 to 100 feet deep with 200 yards around. It was like a dire different ecosystem, like the land of the lost. Crazy. You'd see palm trees growing mm. at the bottom. So we would mark them on our maps because you couldn't see you driving in this right. flat. Yeah. But somebody would see it and they'll stop because we didn't know if there were more. After about three or four doing that, we made sure to mark those on our maps. Then we passed on our Rand McNally maps to the next guy that came through. Hopefully they could read my writing. But anyway, so we did that. Everything went well. Um, Came back pretty successful there, um, even though we lost a guy, you know. At least my, my com- it was, wasn't was a guy that was part of my company, but attached as mm-hmm. part of that movement you were talking about. Yeah. That yeah. big sweep we did. They were from another company. Um, yeah, I'm fortunate for him but, uh, and his family. Anyway, so we uh, get back, and it's time for me to leave. So then I went to be a coyote at right. uh, TTCG. TTC, yeah. So I was the senior coyote there, and I worked for um, Kip Haskell. I was the uh, three alpha and um it was mojave viper then and then we combined it because we were transitioning from iraq to so afghanistan it so we called that? it enhanced yeah. mojave viper emv yeah EMB, yeah, that's right so i remember spending hours and hours of just trying to figure out how to convert what we had to do um we split up i mean we were running i, I did the math again fit rep bullets and awards and all that i did the math at one time at one point i I ended up assessing over i think it was 50 or 60 battalion yeah we VOCs. were running like
0: four iterations a year right no or it was more like no no six. no
1: we were doing at first we were doing 20. Gah. they were ba- they were stacked if you were to look at it there was overlap so the way for mojave viper the way it used to work was you do a live fire portion it's always been the fundamentals of the marine corps the MagTaf integration you know combining air direct fires artillery um, mortars all that kind of stuff so that's built build the package right mm. fist teams fire support teams running stuff we always did that live fire um, and then so that would be the first two weeks you'd go through all that and then you would go through a second two weeks of uh, more of the coin stuff right I mean, we'd bring in 900 role players, players it was crazy because we had two 900 of them felt bad for NCIS and all the folks that had to do vetting and yeah. stuff but um, all those
0: folks just lived in, like, San Diego and stuff. They didn't no, where they, we no? B-
1: most of them came from Dearborn, Michigan, where there's a large oh, no population. Kidding. Yeah. I mean, some did. Yeah. Um, and you had some key players that always came back. Like, there were certain folks, like, the guys that played the mayor and, and key players that were part. It was very intricate. The uh, Our Intel shop had built an entire war game scenario that nobody ever did this because it was so intricate. But if you ever were able to do that... The guy or gal you met on day five as part of your individual and small unit training, if you collect that information and pass it correctly and retained it, you could use it on day twenty six to capture or prevent insurgents from doing something. It was that, it was very intricate. It was like hell, if these guys ever went and did like a a Dungeons and Dragons version of that, mm-hmm. they would be you'd still be playing the game. It was amazing. <laughs> those guys that did john bilas was one of the guys that, that was involved in that it was just amazing the work that those uh guys and galve marines that put that together but of course when you're going through mojave viper or cax or itx or whatever, whatever it's called it's calling, this week yeah. <laughs> you're just trying to survive man because you got coyotes and they're, they're, they were much nicer i would say we were much kinder and more teach coach mentor yeah. when i was there than when i went through as enlisted and it was more like i saw careers ended because guys were not doing stuff and so I think the county's learned and we I know underneath Kip Haskell it was always there's no point in getting somebody fired for something that they didn't know we're here to teach coach mentor and even to this day guy called known affectionately as unclean Larry Adams is still there he was he got out and he's been doing calling calling corridors and calling shots at TTCG for gosh got to be 20 years Unbelievable. And I still call him up every now and then to ask him questions to help me with work on, on occasions when a customer asks them. So anyway, so I did that for a couple of years left there. That's and, and um, so when
0: we linked up then, cd We right? did. Yeah. No, not yet. Oh, you hadn't? So okay. I left
1: TTCG and I went and worked for General Mills at uh, RC Southwest Forward. And uh, I had a brilliant Scooter Leonard, Scott Leonard, who used to be first LAR CEO. Uh, he's running around here somewhere. Scooter was leaving. He was already over there. But he, it, back in, back then, the battalion commanders, when they deployed, you never got to keep both O both 4s right. both majors. Yep. You always had to give one, one up. up. Yeah, I mean, unless for us
0: at the MSCs, man, it was like yeah. only one field grade. Right, only one. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, but the way to get around that, if you knew if you could work it, and sometimes you could, sometimes you couldn't. But if you had did, had dwell time, you had to let that person have – you know if they build up dwell time so yeah. that was you spend enough time overseas and then when you came back Two you had to a, one right was that something that, that like was that. the I goal could, i don't I think couldn't we remember ever, so I think we were down to one to whatever one, they one worked point. it out scooter sent me over there our XO was already over there so he'd already spent like 4 or 5 of the 7 months that he was supposed to or even longer because he was with uh, rc southwest spends a year or 13 yep, months
0: a yeah 13 months <coughs> yeah
1: excuse me so i think I think Justin had spent at least at least four, if not six or eight months there, so he'd already had dwell time. So he was going to come back to be the XO for George Schrader, who was going to take over first LAR. And then so Scooter had it worked out. I left. Um, I left the T uh, T C G. Went went and um, went there and uh, went over and worked for General Mills as his current ops planner for like four months. I think I got over there in December. I remember I got over there before Christmas, but after Thanksgiving, I think December 10th, and then didn't leave there till April something. Well, that had given me enough dwell that uh, Meph or whoever you couldn't didn't reach get, down yeah. and pull me away from the battalion. So <laughs> so George was fortunate he got to deploy, or maybe not fortunate, depending <laughs> you have to ask him. <coughs> he got to deploy with Justin and I. Justin as the XO, Justin Wallace, and me as the OPSO. So then we deployed, went over to Afghanistan, went back to – Went back to uh, went through EMV Mojave Viper, yeah, yeah. and uh, they were chuckling because I'd only been there like say? On the side, like the, not even six months later. On I was the back of the there, clipboard. and they were laughing. They're like, "Okay, you're gonna tell you know." So that was I won't say it was easy because it never easy. Yeah, but it was definitely I had an advantage because I knew to peek behind the curtain. We still didn't f- figure out the scenario, even though I knew it. You know, <laughs> it was just so intricate. But um, so we did there, and George was such a great guy. We had great great folks as usual. Again, blessed. Couldn't believe how blessed I was with some of the, the marine, all the marines that I got to work with. So we go to uh, Conishon Castle down around the Fishhook, yep. and spent time down there for you know seven months, and uh, that was a that was a great experience. I, I, always overplanned. I'd give op orders and I'd write script for the op orders, but because we had to give interpretations because we were working with the border, uh, border patrol, yep. or the, um, the National Guard or whatever with different different Afghan units out there, I'd write scripts. For the interpreter, for me to tell the interpreter for the script for my, for my op order so that I could keep it straight, but I'd have stuff like, okay, pause right here and glare at the interpreter. So <laughs> he knew that he was, he was supposed, supposed to, to say that, something yeah. right here. You know, He would look at his cue cards that I'd make for him and stuff. And so over-planning, of course, but, again, um, it worked out for us. So we did that, had a great, great tour, came back. For a short while, I was the, uh, the opso, and then I became the exo. Um, uh, of the battalion for first and then a friend of mine needed some of that time or else he wouldn't get a look at Lieutenant colonel so I moved over to um, division I worked for uh, mint Ralston you know he yep. passed away not too long ago I so didn't know that pretty sure he just did yeah unfortunately Jeez. it may have been a year ago he was such a great guy people called him uncle minty great dude man what a what a and, and, and a guy named Colonel Mark Toll who was the chief of staff for uh, General Bailey was the uh, division commander when I was, was there. Great group of guys. Um, so I was there for a few months, and then then we go to cd You and I showed up within weeks of each other, Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing, and uh, we spent time there. Yeah, so. I think your
0: seat was barely warm by the time. Yeah, that, so.
1: no, no. So I'll try not to belabor this much longer, William, you know. And oh, no, I appreciate it. Okay. So we're at cd and and, of course, Vic and I are sitting there, and they start throwing out acronyms. I mean, the Marine Corps, the Army, everybody's got their acronyms. And we, we haven't missed one that we couldn't make up the next day either, right? I mean, yeah. that's just. And we hadn't done but, the DAU oh stuff yet or God. none of that. Yeah. We, we were, were like, just speak. like, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, I've got 25 years in the Marine Corps. And I have no idea what was just said. You know, you could say a whole paragraph of acronyms and yeah. throw in a couple prepositions.
0: <laughs> you had no idea. Well, yeah, Vic's our resident acronyms guy at Mar- oh, uh, Marine Corps Gazette. Yeah. I'm like, I, I just started deferring to you because I don't want to be wrong. <laughs> yeah.
1: I can't, yeah, n- and <laughs> nowadays.
0: Well, and they're all mixed and matched. You still anyways. have to mix yeah. them Yeah, yeah cause you I'm still like, have I to. thought MCT meant something such. Mobile training team. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. It, means,
1: now it means, uh, what is it? Medium tactical truck. Yeah. Or it means, you know, who knows? It's just so, yeah. AO means so many different yeah. things, oh. you know. And so we learned a, we learned a lot of different acronyms, and then we got into the budget. Oh, man, the POM. You want to talk about sense of humor? Pilots have a sense of humor. And I'm sure you've covered this before, but here we are dealing with the POM, Program Objective Yeah, Colonel you know,
0: uh, Tim Howe came on and gave us a did little he ta- Did you guys about talk that? about the Prince of the POM we talked and the, about the Frog? Of, no, we didn't, oh we didn't go gosh. to that kind of detail. So in, yeah. in typical, typical Dude, fashion, I right? Of, like, I, I intentionally watched. Oh, yeah, but it's
1: that, so like, hilarious. You know, You got to have a pilot in every group you're with. Don't care who they are because they are, when they're not flying, they're dead serious. When they're flying, super cool, you know. This is uh, Gunfighter Two Two flying at four thousand feet, getting ready to drop a six hundred thousand pound bomb on your target right now. um, Hanging upside down, all cool. Let me know what's going on. Check, Roger. Real calm, you know. And he's flying, you know, at the speed of sound, going through there, and you're just, people are shooting at you, and you're just like, just drop the freaking thing, man. Uh, negatory, you know, you need to, uh, that's not the proper nine-line procedure. <laughs> like, what? Give me but if you got the mirror your unit, man, you're doing all kinds of, talk about the jokes and the stuff. And so in true fashion, even at Headquarters Marine Corps, you got this thing called the POM. And so, William, the POM just drives everything. And, you know, you guys heard about it. It's the budget process and all that. So there's a guy that represents the uh, deputy commandant for, for PNR, kind of represents him that interfaces with all the different uh, pebs the, the different groups that have interest in that need the money mm-hmm. you know from the, the p- program budget the program budget yeah, yeah. and uh, he interfaces with them or she does and helps out with uh, just kind of figuring out what's really important what's not based off of the one enlist the war game and all this well you just can't be whatever the title I don't even know if the real title is anymore you got to be something So typically, pilots, being smart guys and gals, they're at PNR. (laughs) They pull them in there for their non-flight duty or whatnot. And um, they came up with, well, you know, there's the prince of the of the prom. (laughs) Well, so you got to have the prince of the palm. And then, of course, how do you get a prince? You got to kiss a frog. (laughs) So you have a frog of the palm, and the frog is the guy that's following, that's after guy or gal, that's after. I just saw Woody. I used yeah, to work that, with him. There's Woody, is that Woodburn? Chris Woodburn. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the frog is like the person that's bird dogging the prince on the process because it's not easy. You're about to make decisions for you know, or make recommendations. Help help the generals make the recommendations of which way to go. So you got the prince of the palm and the frog that yeah, falls the behind them. The it's just cutting. Yeah. <laughs> But of course as a pilot, it's a pilot's gotta come up with that stuff. When we first heard that, it's like, why I have you know, it took yeah. like grunt what a whole lot to figure out. Ground guys, you know, we're not as witty as that, so <laughs> anyway. So we did that, had a great time. I, I enjoyed it. I didn't think I would at first. Um still have lifelong friends. Uh, ended up working with for and then with um my first company commander. Uh, I'm not gonna say his name because he doesn't like being talked about at all. <laughs> um but anyway, so he uh worked there and Due to physical stuff that beat down over the years. And then I also saw the writing on the wall. I wasn't going to make uh, commander. So I extended due to medical reasons. Ended up getting my right hip replaced and all that. Yeah, and I then I just extended that. one more year and spent a total of five years, which was. And then Roger Turner had taken over. Roger, Roger Turner had left. taken yeah. over. Um, DC, um, yeah, because there was. We were looking at ACV. Yep. Remember, they, we were there. What a historical yeah, General
0: thing. General Mullen. Went out to NATC. General and Mullen,
1: yeah, we were General Gluck and General Mullen, we all went out to NATC. They brought the brought General Amos, Tulan, General Tulan, Bailey, General Gluck, the three stars that were there, and then a bunch of other generals for the first visit. And Neller was there, too. Neller came out later on. If you remember I right, General Neller came out with General Paxton, if I remember yes, that's right. right pa- yeah, yeah, I got a coin from General Paxton. Yeah, there. so we uh, the first time they came out, trying to figure out what to do. The AAVs were too old. And we had not given them any love. yeah. And you were the rep for them. And yeah. you were always lamenting and trying to get <laughs> us to, and you were basically told to pound. Yeah, saying, yeah they, we're not doing this. <laughs> we're not worried about this yeah. thing, you know? And then all of a sudden we were, right? So I um, had to make a decision because we didn't have the lift. So they we went out there, and it was basically all these generals, I, I'll never forget it, that came out there. And, and that generation, when we went through TBS, we were allowed to wear jeans when we went on Liberty. Several years prior to that, that was never heard of. You had to wear kind of like what we're wearing now, you know, khakis and a polo shirt tucked in. You know, heck, I don't even know if you could wear Goatbasters. You probably, but anyway, so that was that generation. Well, General Amos shows up. He's wearing jeans, a mock turtle, and, a you know, one of his little flight jackets, bomber jackets, you know. And you could hear the tongues <laughs> wagging from all the colonels and generals there about how, skips Oh my gosh. They're like, What is going on? He's wearing do you see the commandants wearing jeans? Oh my gosh, just all this little talk and I was like, Where am I at? If I'm like a, oh it was hilarious. But they went through and my current my current boss now stood up in front of them and I I, I was sitting in a U shaped we had a U shaped um like seating arrangement inside the middle of the U was uh, the Commandant in the the 3-3 stars with uh, Henry Hodges, Jr., my boss. He was up there kind of briefing mobility and what they were going to see because you had um, Lockheed Martin, you had General Dynamics. BAE. See if I can figure this out. BAE, SAIC, SAIC, and you had one more, and I always mix them up, ADVS or ADLS. There was another, apologies to the company, there was another company out there that were showcasing the potential – what could we get to that wasn't going to be high water speed but would allow for the the armored uh, lift yeah. that would also potentially swim? And I don't or
0: remember if it was initially or it just came out that way, but I don't think any of them were tracked.
1: None of them all were. Of, all of them were. They we all went. were tires yeah. at the time, yeah. yeah. And they'd actually just come off of doing a pre-milestone A, if you will, um, demonstrations we call them demonstrations because it wasn't really testing it wasn't it was more of a characterization for mpc which was called the marine personnel carrier yeah, that's right mpc that's at the right. time um, in fact sort of when i showed up in july General mattis's baby yeah general mattis had liked the levs and we knew we couldn't afford enough efvs at the time to replace uh, for all the lift we needed so he he liked the concept from what we were told we weren't there of course but right. from what we were told vic and i were told you like the concept of an eight-wheel vehicle that could carry folks because of the mobility, saw so the LAVs and stuff, and of course, then we're you know by then we were looking at independent suspension, ride height adjustment, central time inflation, you all the things holes, that really give yeah. you much greater mobility and stuff that, across the uh, mission profile. So anyway, these were all sitting there; they were available because they had done some Marine Corps had done some testing, even though they put it on the shelf, and the shelf was this drawer that uh, Kurt, I guess I'll say his name. Kurt had and he pulled up in the Jordan was a white binder that said NPC on it, and said there's the Jordan and then closed it <laughs> and uh, I didn't see that thing for another six months and then all of a sudden it was resurrected when Oof. we went out there so there we got to see that. that I was Bad sitting point. in that u-shape and to, going back to that I was sitting at the very end on the left side so I could watch uh, Henry who wasn't my boss at the time I, Vic and I were majors we were looking at him but I could just move my eyes and see the expression on the commandant's face because I wanted to know what was going through. And I knew at the time, I'm not going to say who, but at least one of the three stars was not on board, <laughs> if you remember that. He wasn't happy with that. Um, and it wasn't necessarily him. You know, He was getting information from sure. his his advisors and stuff. And so all good stuff. That's why they were there, was to get, get informed. And I remember watching it, and it was fascinating, just watching the dialogue go back and forth. And General Amos was very gracious enough to let everybody hear their say, and I'll never forget at the end, you remember this, Vic? He kind of sat there and he let everybody go around the room, and then he looked at he looked at his. The, 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 he had two two three stars on one end and one three star on the other end. I'm not gonna tell you who, but he looked at all of them, Then he kind of looked around the room and he said, "Gentlemen, if you want a decision today, I think you're gonna be disappointed." <laughs> and I knew at that time what he what he was thinking. And sure enough, man, what was it? Two weeks later, yep. we get a phone call. It's like, "Hey, you got to write a CDD in six month or 45 days." We're like it takes 18 months to write one of these the right way, and at that time, General Walsh, who then became the ACMAC, but he was PNR. He's like, I'm the guy the checkbook. I pay for the lights and I pay for the heating because this is in February or something. Sure. Uh, I think you guys are good. And yeah, sure and enough, You even brought your dog in while that one weekend we worked. Yeah, yeah, that's that, right. You right. I mean, that brought that. in your dog, and he was, yeah, he was running buddy, around. Yeah. Buddy was running around while you, and me, and Kurt were trying to put together this. Dude, I got wire
0: brushed by General Walters so many times.
1: <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so that happened, and, and uh, you know, fast forward this this thing. Um, decision was made. Um, I, I think it's a right decision at the time. Was it a perfect decision? Absolutely not, but. Uh, at least from my perspective. But at the end of the t- at the end of the day, we had nothing. We needed something. Are, are there pains now that we're going through? Sure. My current company is helping with those pains. Um, but at the same time, <coughs> the AAV built in 1972 came out of Dunedin, Florida. Never forget that, buddy. on his bar there—that's why I remember it. Dunedin, <laughs> Florida, right across the street from Clearwater, um, down in Florida. That thing tried and true she's great but we hadn't paid attention to her and we needed to take her a step forward there were several times we had opportunities to basically get a brand new AAV with greater technologies already fielded but for whatever reason things just didn't people had to make decisions with the information they had so got it so here we sit now five years later I was able to actually see after we started writing that CDD you went ahead and took off and went over to uae right Yep, went to uae yoga. took the family over there and got to experience that fun stuff and um i finished out and i was able to see at least ioc start to happen when i left so i left in 2018 and because my name was on some documents and whatnot uh nevada automotive test center thought i had to do what i was talking about man I may not know a lot, but I guess I can snow some people. <laughs> so anyway, so I went and uh, worked for them. I worked in the Virginia office for, for NATC about a year and a half. And my role then was to help understand requirements, to help understand the POM process because we lived it so much, and just kind of work through that whole that whole process with them um, and help help NATC understand what their customer. These guys have been in business since 1957. Is it OK if I talk about Please, it? Please. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So I, I, everybody's going to say good things about their company. I did not have to come on board here at all. But, so I appreciate the opportunity. But the, the, it's fascinating, fascinating company. So I'm gonna ta- I'll talk a little bit about it. So 1957, um, it's about it's in northern Nevada. Um, it's out in the middle of nowhere. We have over six thousand acres of land. It started off as a ranch. I was going to say it was a cattle ranch, right? It was, yeah. and it still is. We still have like, um, oh gosh, Kami's going to kill me. She runs the ranch, but I get to see cows and baby cows every day when I come in. It's pretty cool. I don't know why I like cows, but anyway. <laughs> um, so we got about two or three hundred head of cattle. It's a mom, It's what's called a mom and calf ranch. So we, you know, the mama cows raise the calves for however long, and then we we sell them someone and they finish them off and then send them to market and all that kind of stuff so we got have about 150 mama cows about 11 bulls that do their thing and then they you know have babies i think we have 80 to 100 babies this year so we did really well for 150 or 200 yeah sure cows you know to have that many babies uh so good job bulls yeah <laughs> yeah i got to actually yay nature yeah right <laughs> uh we we got a, a new one uh what's his name uh one of our our business development uh director her kid named it um not joseph it begins with a j but anyway uh we bought this new bull so that's another experience i get to actually play with went to a market to watch bulls being bought and sold that's another story but anyway so natc had it come about henry hodges senior was a sergeant in the army he was in the 10th mountain division and henry junior please don't yell at me if i get this wrong Um, so senior was an Sergeant in the Army in the 10th Mountain Division. He had a propensity to work well with mules, they say, because he was stubborn as one, who knows. <laughs> and he's mechanically inclined, unlike me. So, very mechanically inclined. Um, he was a little Henry, too. Apparently, he got uh, promoted to sergeant three times. <laughs> so, so he must He liked <laughs> it so much. He yeah, like he li- yeah, he liked it so much. He was, I think he was because he was stubborn as a mule. So, anyway. <laughs> He did that, he ended up getting hurt pretty bad. They don't say why, and spent six months in Walter Reed. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, so mm-hmm. during that time there, don't know how it happened, but he ended up either getting connected to, or by his previous work, or somehow, when he got out of Walter Reed, he worked with the various army test centers. So Aberdeen Proving mm-hmm. Ground up in yep. Maryland. Yuma, mm-hmm. obviously out in Arizona. And then there's another one, and again, Henry, sorry for not getting this straight. It's a test facility It's owned by Detroit Arsenal, but it's down in Texas. Um, I don't remember where, if it's down by Fort Bliss or where, but it's down there. He was able to go to all these. During that time, he learned a bunch of stuff. Um, things like Perryman 1, 2, 3, and 4, those courses. You'll hear Munson Road. You'll hear RMSs, which stands for Root Mean Square. Um, has to do with roughness. So you guys will call them potholes and chatter bumps and uh, washboards and all that. All that stuff can be quantified you can quantify that mathematically based on correlating them with uh, sound waves. So you can replicate that. And that's what's so important in test is, so when Vic and I were writing requirements, kind of the three rules we had to make sure that we followed, the first was operationally relevant. And honestly, you can make anything operationally (laughs) relevant, right? Second thing was that it had to be feasible. So you just couldn't, and, and I'll give an example here in a minute feasible. And the third thing is it had to be testable. So even if it was operationally relevant and feasible, if you couldn't test it, you couldn't prove it, and all it was then it was opinion, and that doesn't work real well. Uh, give you a great example of of or use an example of something that's not feasible, but absolutely we'd want to want you could test it. So the transporter beam on Star Trek. Yeah. You know, where you, you beam me up, Scotty. Yeah, yeah. Operationally relevant in any absolutely. any military sure. application, yeah. right? And civilian. Um, testable, sure. I put you in it, Vic. You don't show up on the other end, fail. You show (laughs) up on the other end, pass, right? right? I mean, but feasible, not so much. So you had to have those three things in a requirement in order for the acquisition guys to even be able to uh, get after it. Well, with testing, you have similar things. And one of the basic things that you have to have in testing is it's got to be repeatable so it's defensible. So that's why I mentioned that root means square or that you can take – yeah, wave number spectrum of a yeah, of yeah. A, yeah wave number spe- or um, r- RMS or WNS, which is wave number spectrum, which is roughness, roughness or soil uh, roughness, um, whether it's chatter bumps or the big whoops or whatever, those can be mathematically quantitative or qualified. So then you can repeat them. So then you can defend your data. You can defend your information, and that way, no matter where you're at in the world, you can do that. Well. Henry Sr. helped with some of those courses that did that at ATC or APG, depending on, you know, whoever you're talking to, YPG and this other test facility. So he did that, but he saw the writing on the wall. We were coming out of World War II, getting into uh, Korea and they were cutting funding. So he knew that um, it just, he was kind of fed up with the, the government at the time, and so he just wanted to get away. He came from uh, Montana where he had a ranch there, so he was going to go back there and ranch. So That's one part. The next part is his wife, Martha. She's, uh, of my language, folks, but she's a proverbial badass. <laughs> she's super cool. Um, she was a lieutenant colonel select in the Army. She was one of the first five WACs. I believe that stands for Women Army Corps that was over in World War II. She was on Patton and Eisenhower's staff. No way. She had two bronze stars. And I always forget the what or, order of something, but the British order of empire or whatever. There's some kind of medal that she got. Um, she was just something else. This lady had it going on. Uh, I, th- I believe she spoke fluent Russian. Jeez. Um, at one point, one of her bronze stars she got was uh, uh, she was flying. She was catching a hop, I think, from a conference or something in theater. I, think, I believe she was riding a bomber or whatnot, but they got attacked by a German plane or something. And uh, I don't know—I don't know if the gunner got shot or they didn't have one. Whatever the case is, she was small enough because she's a little tiny thing. She crawled down in the cupola and manned the turret down in there. Oh wow! Now we don't know if she engaged or whatnot, but the crew there's a at that ranch house where it still exists where we host uh, lunches and stuff for people that come.
0: Greatest breakfast burritos ever. Oh, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: that's a, you get those breakfast burritos, man. It puts you in a food coma, man. Dude, I man. still think about those. Oh, man. Toys, man. But so uh, there's a piece of like a shell or something that the crew gave her for manning that turret and everything that's in the little that's display awesome. case here. So pretty cool. So why do I talk about uh, her? Well, story goes – uh, Henry Sr. and either his brother or cousin or something. They're out visiting with a rodeo out in uh, New York City, because back then the rodeos would go out there and, and that was kind of high entertainment. They're sitting at the bar kind of looking around, just doing their thing. And uh, they see this feather and they had a high back high back booths all in this little bar restaurant place. And they see this feather going through and they start like making fun of it. The next thing you know, this little five foot nothing lady comes whipping around and starts giving him the what for. Well, of course, he falls in love. Good girl meets bad boy. They ended up getting together, and there you go. They're, they're, they moved to Montana. Uh, moved to Montana, Henry's got all this information. Turns out he was also either aware of or part of. I'm, I'm not clear on this yet. DOD did a, um, a study on where was best bang for the buck to send a platform, a vehicle platform, to get tested because time you send them up to you know might send them down to Mississippi for the mud but then if you want to do frozen yeah, stuff like four you or send five a, different locations it, yeah. yeah and so it costs money for transportation plus you cost and schedule and then all Weather, acquisition folks yeah. know time and schedule is key right? right and so if you can find a place you can do all of that in one place that would be great so they did this study and they found that within like 150 miles of Fallon which is where Top Gun's at Fallon Naval Air Station um, they you could get like 80 to 85 percent of the soil composition you'll find in the world through all these glacial movements that happened way back when and stuff so all you have to do soil soil is like a cake mix it's made up of a couple different ingredients it depends on who you talk to um, whether it's three ingredients seven but generally speaking you have sand silt clay loam whatever you have fatty clays lean clays all these different but it's a it's a cake recipe and if you mix it up a certain way you get biscuits you mix it up another mm. way you get pancakes pancakes or you <laughs> may get waffles or you may get different things and that's how soil is so you add a little bit of moisture here or take it away and that, and, and so you may get the soupy stuff you find in like the philippines or costa rica or something where it's all that muckety muck type stuff that or you get that dry, really soft stuff that you get in either Afghanistan, that talcum talcum powder, that kind of stuff. And it's all the same stuff is in it. It's just a different mix of how much and different moisture content. Mm. Well, all that, since it's around 150 miles of Fallon, we just happen to be like 20 miles away from, 20, 30 miles away from Fallon as a crow flies. So we have all that. Well, Henry Sr. knew this. He also knew they were gonna quit doing testing at all these facilities or reduce it because we always reduce after war. So he had an idea to come down. The ranch wasn't doing as well as he wanted to up in Montana. So they came down, they bought the ranch that their cousins owned. They went. They wanted to get out of ranching because <laughs> ranching's hard work. They came down and they started doing that. Since then, we're on a third generation, Henry Henry Junior, who you met mm-hmm. when we were out there as customers, yep. um, he has single-handedly brought that company through the hard times. He mortgaged his own house. On at least twice Jeez. in order to keep the company going. But I'm sure you've heard of the Lunar Landing Module. That may or may not have been tested in some shape or form out there. <laughs> um, he was instrumental in helping the Marine Corps get after the MTVR. In fact, the uh, prototype for the MTVR is sitting, I can picture it exactly where it's sitting, it's sitting third from the left. <laughs> I mean,
0: as we look at ACV just a few aisles down, I still think about Frankenstein. Yeah, the Frankenstein, the Dude, Ring Personal
1: Carrier Technology Demonstrator, MPCTD, is still out there, in fact. So it's still out there. The LVSR, the JLTV, the prototype we built for that to demonstrate the capabilities you can get on a single platform. We call it the CTV. It's still there. So we did all that work, and that's really super cool work that we've done for O&R, the Marine Corps, uh, in the past. And so we have a pretty solid relationship with the Marine Corps because of that. In fact, it, it's, it's really solid. Henry's mom, Martha, who I just talked about, she used to actually be a, a, an advisor to some of the young women Marines. I don't know how that happened, but Henry said, as uh, she was getting up there in the years and right before she passed, that she would say stuff to him like, Henry, how are my Marines doing? And, in fact, they've created an award for the Martha Hodges Award that that espouses uh, supporting the Marine Corps. And I got the first award, so I was pretty happy about oh, that. Nice. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I was really honored for that. But So they've always had ties. And we still do. We actually do a, a cake cutting ceremony cool. for the birthday. Um, I stand up there and do that whole thing. I, actually, as old as I am, I was the youngest Marine in the first one we did. But uh, we've got about 120 employees there and about 28 to 30 of them are veterans. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I was so. telling
0: um, William about this place. You know, obviously, being here at Modern Day Marine, there's a lot of inroads. Yeah. Um, just within a whole operational testing sort of umbrella. But you guys have this really, almost a niche market because, like you said, like all of the di- various climates and um, soil compositions and testing and the science behind it. So I know that uh, you sort of like, Do the audible back molar sucking sound when I call it Monster Garage. Yeah. But for me going out there, you know, it was like, dude, these guys don't say no. And that's what I was telling William is like one of the great things about my experiences there other than the Breakfast Burritos was like this idea (laughs) that well, I'm not gonna tell you no until I know. And so they're like, Well, let's just try it and see what happens and then and then we'll blow it up. Well (laughs) you you gotta figure it
1: You gotta kinda picture it, all right? So out of 120 people, there's roughly 40 to 50 of them are engineers. I was to
0: say, like. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, the president of the company all the way down. All his children who are the third generation that are, are yeah. kind of taking over the reins right now. In fact, his son, my boss is the chief technical officer. He's around here. He's been texting me like, hey, when are we going to look up? He, uh, He's an engineer. Um, but, yeah, so you've got all these engineers trying to think cool stuff up. So think of a TBS platoon of engineers trying to solve problems. Yeah, yeah. And then have the training and ability to do that. And then I got – I'm kind of like right now – And the terrain. I'm their handler yeah. because you <laughs> oh know what that. happens left alone? Oh, yeah. What bright young men and women decide to do if they don't have a task? Mm-hmm. They come you, up with some really with, cool yeah, stuff to do some stuff you may not want them to do. Yeah. So these guys are trying to solve for the problem, and they're working stuff right now. Unfortunately, I can't really talk about that because of, you know, what we're doing. But they, we're working problems right now for the Marine Corps, for the Navy, for the Army – SOCOM for other departments of all those folks um, and I'm not just saying that but it's just We've been blessed to be able to do that. They really feel it's an honor to be able to do that Anybody that comes out, they treat them like they're kings. We roll out the yeah. red carpet. So they get the great. breakfast burritos <laughs> They get a steak dinner for lunch <laughs> or a cool Cornish hen so or something. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like
0: you said, I mean, it's a working <laughs> ranch Oh, It's a
1: working ranch. It's like I think I remember one day I have a unique position, but um, that they've, they've allowed me, since I'm not an engineer and won't even pretend to be. I can speak some of the language, but I don't pretend to know any of it. But I think one day I remember I was sitting there, I was like, I was trying to buy a box of hand grenades because we were doing some testing. <laughs> so I found of a course. box of hand grenades. Why else would you want? An M1 engine. I discussed what bull we were going to go look at the next day or two for because we needed to get this bull. It wasn't Ferdinand, but whatever his name was. Um, and what was the other thing? Um, oh, I had to figure yeah. out Wi-Fi. Oh, yeah, Wi-Fi. <laughs> and I'm like <laughs> – and then I was serving – I was helping serve to one of the uh, – serving a steak lunch to one of the customers that was there, you That's know, awesome. as we were regaling them with stories and stuff. That was all just my first part of my day, you know. So it was like I'm really fortunate to do that and to be able to – especially what, what we did, there isn't a huge – Neither one of us are doing what we did in the Marine Corps, really. I mean, I'm I'm a little bit with the requirements, but neither one of us are. We definitely capitalize on our leadership, our attitude of getting it done, um, building teamwork and all that kind of stuff and communication skills. But at the end of the day, I'm not closing with and destroying the enemy through fire maneuver. I'm actually helping others in many ways trying to prevent that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so I'm lucky that I have an organization that is so patriotic but also – is just grounded in physics-based facts. Yeah, yeah. And working the problem, it's yeah, Kurt like use
0: the tiles us all the time. Like our problem is we're encumbered by facts. We, yeah, <laughs> right. And sometimes
1: that frustrates. I know it frustrates the engineers. It frustrates me because they want to analyze the head. I'm like, just eighty percent solution, and you know, an engineer can't do eighty percent, man. I yeah. gotta do. So anyway, so that's what I've been doing that for about five years. Um, the family. We continue to grow. We come to these things here. Uh, it, it's cool because I'm sure, like you, it's Old Home Week. I get to see people yeah. I served with that I was that saved my career or enhanced my career or, or definitely kept me pushed you kept in the me right going, pushed yeah. me in the right direction, yeah. chewed me out for rolling my eyes at the general, or the colonel. because yeah. I <laughs> cared Never was very good really at that. Yeah, me, yeah. So uh, and, yeah. and everybody's got those stories, right? That's the only um, way you make it. So great stuff, and I've been able to keep my feet in it, but also do my own thing, which I think is important. When you, I am a Marine, always will be, but it's not the only thing that defines me. Yeah. So I'm able to go ahead and contribute and keep doing those things, and be blessed to talk to people like you and yeah. and people like William that are still are doing that that never served a day, but. But appreciate that, and then we appreciate your efforts because you just don't have the context, but you patiently listen to us. Oh so no, I love it. This so is this tell is tell these crazy stories. I'm glad I get paid to do this. <laughs> <laughs> Shh, don't tell anybody that, yeah. man. You know, somebody well, else will be looking for your job. <laughs> well, Mark,
0: man, this has been so. This has been really great, and I'm, I'm genuinely, and sincerely so happy for you. I think this is like really having been there, uh, and been there together like i think this really is the, the right spot for you i mean I, yeah. i'm just so happy that this i'm, I'm really out. lucky yeah, yeah this is so great man yeah. and thank you for spending some time with us today really appreciate it your big. experiences and, and yeah my of best th- to
1: your wife and children and all yeah, that yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. run into yeah. each other again
0: of course of course but I'm yeah hey, nevada automotive test center um doing just wonderful things not just for the marine board come by our country. booth 946 <laughs> yeah 946 <laughs> do it all right all right, man, all right thank take care Metal is a production of the Marine Corps Association, I am William Trudy, but you've also heard the voices or contributions of Vic Rubel, USMC Retired, Nancy Lichtman, or Ty Frazier. The opinions expressed in this episode do not reflect the official stance of the Marine Corps, DOD, or Marine Corps Association.